Psalm 108, if you care to know, is week 172, month 39 and a half, hour 118 and a half. Father God, as always, please bless this recording, bless this live service, allow us to clear our minds, our hearts, and uh, to spend a few seconds preparing ourselves to come before thee this morning and uh, look at thy word and afterwards to break the bread and uh, just look back over the previous week with thanksgiving and uh, pray for the coming week that all goes well. We thank you as always for allowing us to call you Abba Father, to approach thy throne like I say, and uh, we just ask you to bless this service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So Psalm 108 is basically two psalms put together, a composition or a combination of Psalm 57 and 60, but with slight variance. The author is, of course, David, and uh, as a type of the Holy Ghost, he's able to quote his works and rewrite his writings. If you are an author, you know what I'm talking about. You can rewrite your works, and it's still your own composition. And that's why when the Scripture quotes the Scripture, especially in the King James Bible, you don't find the term he or thee, or thou, being capitalised, because, of course, God is speaking about himself. <clears throat> Psalm 108, let's start in verse 1, if we may. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. My heart is fixed, in the sense of fixed on you, like a glaze, like a level of uh, consistency, fixed, steadfast, unshakable, solid faith. O God, as always, he goes straight to the Lord himself. Doesn't go to Abraham, Isaac or Jacob. Doesn't go to Moses or Aaron or Miriam. He goes straight to God Almighty. And I say that because Catholics and Anglicans and many other religious people uh, unfortunately follow tradition and they like to pray to dead people, which is a terrible sin and it's very rarely preached against nowadays due to the ecumenical movements. Oh God! My heart is fixed. If the Lord has your heart, he has all of you. But without your heart, belonging to the Lord, he doesn't have any of you. I will sing. David was a mu uh, musician. He would play the harp. And he would write beautiful uh, lyrics, as would Solomon. And give praise. Paul says you are to praise the Lord. Uh, you are to give your bodies as a living sacrifice. You are to raise your hands, you men in a literal sense even with my glory my shining glory which of course for man is the Lord Jesus Christ we are made in the image of God Almighty David as a man David as a saved man had no glory of his own had no righteousness of his own whereas we get ours as would he through imputation O oh God my heart is fixed possibly sung or spoken but either way it's good. My heart is fixed. My heart belongs to you. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. It's a beautiful start to this particular psalm. And like I say, Psalm 108 is a composition of Psalm 57 and Psalm 60. It's always good when the scripture repeats itself, which is a very typical theme. And the reason why that is done is because we have short memories. We have to be reminded time after time that God is good, a man is not. That God is faithful, a man is faithless. That God is holy and righteous, a man is not. 
We need to be reminded time after time. The apostles spent three and a half years with Jesus. And they forgot so much stuff. And the Lord had to rebuke them, correct them, and uh, repeat and reaffirm biblical truths. Two, awake, pastry and harp. I myself will awake early. We'd say like for today, uh, let's get the show on the road. Let's get busy. Let's warm up the orchestra. David was a choir master. He was a musical man. He played the harp, like I say, which is very unusual for a beta male, excuse me, for an alpha male, what am I saying? For an alpha male, not a beta male, for an alpha male. And David was a remarkable man. He's got a sword in one hand and a harp in another. And uh, like I say, he's fighting and he's conquering lands for Jehovah. And he's dealing with King Saul and he's married to Saul's uh, daughter. And he's best friends with uh, Saul's son, Jonathan. And when he's not killing people with his sword, he's playing the harp. Talk about a complex character. But he's called a man after the Lord's own heart. Awake, pastry and harp. Not very common for a man to play the harp, incidentally. Most harpists are women. I myself will awake early. Early bird catches the worm. Jesus Christ would awake early. I think it's Luke chapter 6. It says he prayed all night and then he chose him, the apostles. And it says early in the morning he was at the temple he was an early bird, the Lord Jesus Christ. He made his days, weeks, months, years counts, and so should all of us. Uh, what do they say? 12 hours in the day, 6 till 6. That's a long day, incidentally. And uh, if you start early, you feel refreshed, ready to go. And uh, when the day comes to an end, you're ready to lay your head on your pillow. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Amen, indeed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Whatever's inside of me, Lord, I want to give to you. I'm just going to just radiate your glory. I'm going to worship you and I will sing as he would do and dance as he would do, love as he would do. And he was a remarkable man. And yet many a time you read about David in First Kings and Second uh, Samuel, you scratch your head at times. Uh, even, even going back to First Samuel as to what was really in the hearts and mind of King David. But I love the scriptures because they're honest, they're raw, they're real. They don't sugarcoat the sins of the saints. And uh, that's why it's good to go back and reread, especially the Old Testament. But verse 1, the heart is fixed. And go to the book of Daniel, which we are working through at the moment. And in Daniel chapter 1, we, we, uh, we read in verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not divide himself with a portion of the king's meat, the meal that was uh, offered to the king, his wives, his concubines, and of course his uh, minions, his servants, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So David like Daniel, Daniel like David, walked a fine line and... Uh, didn't compromise. I mean, Daniel is probably the greatest saint in the Old Testament when it comes to abstaining from all appearances of evil and uh, using all of his diplomacy to request of the king by the eunuch that he wouldn't defile himself. And we've lost that today. Most Christians are trying to find ways to compromise, fit in with the world. It won't work. And if it uh, does work it feels pretty rough on your end but of course the world won't compromise for you 
First Corinthians 1, uh, pick it up in 29. That no flesh should glory, glory, glory in his presence. That shuts the mouths of all the self-righteous Pharisees who think they're going to get to heaven on their good works. Abstaining from this or abstaining from that or doing this or doing that, you are wasting your time. But of him are ye, com- uh, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. That's a very Pauline uh, message. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You've got uh, three incredible statements there. Righteousness, sanctification, cleansing, redemption, to buy back. Christ has brought us back from the curse of uh, the law. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And uh, we've all gone astray like sheep. And he's found us and he's redeemed us. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory, glory, glory in the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Go back to Psalm 108. So, David, Daniel, Daniel, David, two Jewish Old Testament saints. And uh, for me, I think uh, David is more on my wavelength uh, than probably Daniel was. But uh, they're both remarkable men. Uh, 108, 3 again. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. And I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. So David was a king. He was a prince before he was a king. A prince of Israel. And as a prince, as a king, but as a prince, he had responsibilities. And as a prince, as a king, uh, he was seen amongst his peers. And his job was to radiate the honour of the Lord God. And uh, most of his life, he did a pretty good job. 70 when he died he was king for what uh, 40 years became king at 30 started off governing governing judah then israel and uh, like most men that are born to do great things he starts to stray it always happens sooner or later uh, saved or unsaved he was no exception and the man was still saved and had a great testimony i will praise thee o lord among the people jewish people and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The nations, the heathen, sing praises unto thee among the nations. Which he would do. Incidentally, he was a king for 40 years. He was surrounded by Gentile nations. And uh, they all knew about King David as they would about uh, Solomon. In fact, Solomon was so famous that uh, Bathsheba, not Bathsheba, what am I saying? Uh, uh, Queen of Sheba. Queen of Sheba went to visit him <coughs> due to his wisdom, due to his uh, character. He was so blessed to do great things for the Lord God. And they would travel and she was blown away, Sheba, when she came to visit him. For, for thy mercy is great above the heavens and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. This goes back to the word of God being real, alive. That's why when you read it, preach it and teach it, it does what it's supposed to do. Jump over to Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm. And uh, will take probably at least 12 months, I would imagine, to break through and work through uh, this particular psalm. Uh, 119, 160. Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So the word of God is real. We say, uh, drop me a line. 
Last night I was watching a true story about an American gangster, a Jew, a very religious Jew. He's now dead, of course, and he did some wicked things uh, up until probably the 1970s. Forgotten now, but in his day was a very powerful uh, gangster, worked with Bugsy Seagull and uh, uh, Luciano and uh, Jack Intrata yeah. and uh, Sam Giancana. Again, these names are forgotten now, but in their days were very powerful people. And I got thinking about this last night, I thought, there's a scene in the movie when he's on the phone. It's 1942, and he's speaking to Bugsy in Vegas. He's in Cuba. And I thought, isn't that amazing, the technology of a phone? I mean, who really understands how a telephone works? I mean, think about it. A mile away, a thousand miles away. How do you explain that? It's incredible, isn't it? You can talk on the phone. It's like they're in the same room as you. Or like today, live streaming, uh, group chats, uh, chat rooms. I mean, technology's really blossomed in the last 70, 80 years. And they've got planes that are invisible. They're called stealth fighters, which goes back to where does, it, where does this information come from? The sons of God, found in Genesis chapter 6. I mean, there's so much we don't really understand about how the world works. And uh, I thought, so, such a simple scene. I thought, I thought to myself, how do you explain that? I mean, even today in 2023, I mean, how do you explain having a phone call with somebody a mile away or even a thousand miles away. I know they can explain it, but of course they can, but it's still amazing, isn't it, when you think about it? Something as simple as that just blew me away. But the Word of God is real. It's alive. This goes back to Christ being the living Word of God and the Scripture being the written Word of God. Christ is capital W, whereas the Scripture is lowercase w. Thy mercy, for thy mercy is great above the heavens. Not just on the earth, but above the heavens. And thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. It goes up, it comes back down. Was it 1969? The, uh, the Apollo moon landing. And one of the astronauts, I forget which one it was, started to read Genesis chapter 1 on the earth. Being back to the earth. He was a Presbyterian. It wasn't, was it Neil Armstrong? No, it wasn't. Neil Armstrong, yeah. Was it Armstrong, okay. Yeah, Armstrong. And it was, Ameri- it was amazing to watch. It was amazing to watch. I wasn't born at the time, but <laughs> I've seen the footage since then, obviously. And you've got these guys on the moon, we believe. Let's not go there. But anyway, they're reading Genesis chapter 1. And it wouldn't happen today, of course. They'd be too ashamed to do so. But the word of God went up and it came back down. And I think it was a King James Bible as well that Armstrong was reading from. Thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Now for today, uh, it goes up, it comes back down. We have uh, satellites. Uh, We have the internet, of course, which I think is uh, the cables that go under the sea. But satellite television, live news, uh, satellite dishes, bouncing off the worlds, satellites. Again, I don't really understand this stuff. Do you really understand this stuff? I don't really understand this stuff, but it all happens on a regular basis. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let's really raise him up. And thy glory above all the earth that thy beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and answer me. David means beloved. So there's a possible play on words here. And like I say, this particular psalm is almost word for word from Psalm 57 and Psalm 60, but not quite. Jesus Christ is the Lord's right hand man. (coughs) And of course, David, the lesser is also the Lord's right-hand man. That's why it's fascinating 
to read about the lesser David and the greater David. That thy beloved may be delivered, and he was the lesser and the greater David. Save with thy right hand and answer me. So David, based on Second Samuel, we did a three-week study going through Second uh, Samuel, got into all sorts of situations, and in spite of all that, the Lord is still listening to him, he's still answering his prayers, which is a wonderful picture of once saved, always saved. But of course, that's not necessarily doctrinally true for all of us all of the time. David was the exception, not the norm. Seven, God has spoken in his holiness, his holiness, Holy Father, John 17, not the Pope, but his holiness, not the Dalai Lama, but God Almighty, not Albert Pike, but God Almighty. I will rejoice, I will divide. That's a negative word, divide, division, segregation, separation, divide. I think it's Acts 17, the word of God speaks about how we are all one blood, which we certainly are, and yet how he's put the bounds, the habitation, he's put different people into different parts of the world. And uh, that was the case up until very recently. I saw a clip this morning of some Nigerians that were crossing from the US into Canada, would you believe? Strange clip to look at, just three or four minutes about a dozen Nigerians that had been given asylum in the US. Talk about uh, counting your blessings. But it wasn't enough for them. They wanted to go to Canada, of all places. And you got this very strange standoff with these Nigerians, some with very young children, wanting to go into Canada. Yeah. They said America wasn't for them. Remarkable. Talk about being picky. <laughs> but up until very recently, uh, pre-World War II especially, uh, the people from around the world lived in their own parts of the world. Now, people travel all over the world. It's no big deal. But uh, this goes back to the Tower of Babel incident, Genesis chapter 11. The people all came together with one speech, one language, one currency also. And the Lord said, no, I want you to spread out. You're not all the same. And that's why you have the 12 nations found in uh, Re uh, Revelation uh, 21. God has spoken in his holiness, I will rejoice, I will divide. See Shem, say Shem, see Shem, and meet out the valley of Sukkoth, Sukkoth, Sukkoth. So, divide it, number one, measure it, number two. The Lord is very clear when it comes to what he wants his people to do and how he wants them to survive. And now, like I say, due to uh, travel being so easy, so cheap, and people wanting to uh, live here and there, and marry who they choose to do so. Uh, it's all gone back to Genesis chapter 11. But uh, Seashem or Seishem, Sukkoth or Succoth, Sukkoth, are two territories opposite sides of the Jordan, uh, at the time under Israeli control. 8. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is a strength of mine head. Judah is my lawgiver. So Gilead... And Ephraim, Ephraim, of course, was the head, the helmets, responsible for the defense of Israel. Judah, of course, goes into David, or David goes back to Judah, and David governs Israel. We looked at this some weeks ago. We went through Psalm uh, 57 and 60, so there's not much more I can add to that. But Gilead, Manasseh, Ephraim, three Jewish tribes, Judah makes four, is my lawgiver. And, of course, Christ came to really sharpen the law, really raise it up. He says uh, in Matthew 5, You've heard it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill. 
uh, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not this, but I say to you, and he has some more light to it, and he raises it really high. You see, the reality is the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments especially, but the Old Testament, what, 600 plus commandments, was pain, so you couldn't save yourself. I mean, don't you know that? You can't keep the Old Testament law. I mean, I laughed myself when I watched Jews online, religious Jews, Orthodox Jews, sometimes Hasidic Jews, saying they keep the law. You can't keep the law. It's impossible. But in their minds, because they haven't done the big sins, they feel they're okay with the smaller sins. It doesn't work that way. You break one of the laws, you've broken all of the laws. I would divide, that's very negative by today's standards. What do they say? Unity. What do they say? Let's not divide on uh, secondary issues. I will divide, but God is speaking here. Meet out, I'll measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine in a personal sense. Manasseh is mine in a personal sense. Ephraim also is a strength of mine head. Like I say, responsible for the defense of Israel. Judah, beautiful tribe, tribe of Daniel as well, is my lawgiver. Going back to David being the Lord's anointed. Moab is my washpot. Moab today is uh, Jordan. Washpot. Uh, like a sort of a, uh, like a rag or a cleaner. A very sort of menial task or a basic uh, job to do. Moab is my washpot over Edom. Modern day Jordan again. Will I cast out my shoe over Philister. Modern day Syria, Lebanon and uh, Gaza. Will I triumph? So you've got three nations that are spoken in a negative sense Moab was to the northeast of Israel Edom to the southeast and Philistia the Philistines to the west of Israel and here we are what 3,000 years later still surrounded by hostile nations 1948 they go back into the land of Israel almost straight away they are attacked by the Muslims using World War One rifles and they are able to survive that uh, 67 and uh, 75 happens again and on each occasion they're able to win push back against the aggressor it goes back to the Jews coming out of Egypt <coughs> and wanting to find sanctuary and they are blocked by the Gentile nations due to the reality they were so powerful they were so strong and here they are today a superpower in the Middle East who will bring me into the strong city, verse 10. Who will lead me into Edom. Now again, Edom, modern day Jordan, today run by a Muslim king. Uh, and it's also a Freemason, as was his late father, the king of Jordan, King Hussein. And uh, Edom, Petra, where the Jews will hide during the tribulation. Who will bring me into the strong city, who will lead me into Edom? David is speaking here. Wilt not thou, O God, who has cast us off? Wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our hosts? We can't do this without you, which is the truth. And due to that, we need you to, we need you to do something for us. But go back to verse 5 briefly. Be thou exalted, O God. That's the key to all of this. Above the heavens and thy glory above all the earth. Go to uh, Matthew chapter... 6 Matthew chapter 6 and uh, just pick out verse 13 lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So scripture with scripture. The heavens, verse 5, Psalm 108. The glory, verse 5, Psalm 108. And here, Matthew 6, 13. The Lord is speaking. For thine is the kingdom, number one, and the power, number two, and the glory, number three, forever. Amen. Going back to when the Lord sets up his thousand-year reign. Because most of Matthew 5, 6, 7, 8 has no reference to anybody living today. At best, you could aim it at a Jew in the first century who was already in a covenant relationship with Jehovah. But you try and teach this doctrine for today. When you go through Matthew 5 sometime and pick out, uh, for example, uh, oaths or being angry with your brother, 22. Uh, Whose so shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. Whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell or fire. You try and teach that doctrine for the day. You can't do it. I mean, Paul called the Galatians fools. Or you jump down to verse, uh, let's see now, 27. Thus not commit adultery. Uh, whosoever looketh on a woman or a man to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So you mean to tell me you haven't done that? Or you haven't done it since you've been saved? Don't kid yourself. If you write, I offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It is profitable for thee. That one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body shall be cast into hell. I'll give you one more. Uh, jump down to, uh, let's see now, uh, 38. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's tough. I mean, you try and teach this doctrinally. And I try and follow these. I try and follow this myself. I won't deny it. I try and follow it to the best of my ability. But if I'm on the street and somebody smacks me around the face or spits in my face, I mean, I know what I, I know what I got to do. But it's tough. Uh, I mean, when Paul got uh, shouted at in the Book of Acts, he shouted back yeah. at the uh, the the chief ruler. You see, you got to be careful when you read through the scriptures. Matthew five. There's no blood atonement here. There's no new birth here. There's no substitution atonement here. Jesus was a Jew under the law, speaking to the Jews under the law. Get the context right. But in the thousand year reign, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, watch out. If you are lusting, watch out. If you're not forgiving people, watch out. And if you are taking oaths, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, and not honouring your oaths, you better watch out. Because you have a lot to answer for. Go back to Psalm 108, please. 11. Wilt not thou, O God, which has cast us off, the Jews, we're cast off, we are in great trouble due to our sins against you. And wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our hosts, our armies, kings go forth, go forth with us. And he would go forth with them. Time after time the Jew gets into trouble, like Christians do today. They start to cry out to the Lord, as do Christians today. And when they do that, the Lord looks down in great pity on his people as you would do back in the Old Testament times, and forgive his people. No other faith can really promise this. That's why Christianity isn't only true, but it's precious. Uh, it goes back to why God had to die, on, uh, die for our sins on the cross. Because, of course, that's the death that we should all have experienced. Twelve. Give us help from trouble. That's very similar to uh, Daniel praying in, I think it's Daniel chapter 9. He says, uh, we've done this, we've done that, we're in trouble here, we're in trouble there, uh, due to this, due to that, so on and so forth. And here's Daniel, remarkable young man, 
He's up in years, of course, when he hits uh, chapter 9. But he's praying like uh, like a sinner, in a sense. Or, or he, He's praying like he's responsible for the sins of the people, and he's not. He was a young, righteous man. But here David, as king, is praying on behalf of his own people. Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Vain, like empty, it's like worthless. It's like mankind, basically... Not only is he wicked inside out, which of course we all know, but uh, if, you ever, if you've ever studied history, and I love history, I watch movies, documentaries, more than I probably should do, but I, you know, I, like to, I like to learn. I like to know why people do what they do. <coughs> and I've learned a couple of things in recent years that all of your most infamous people that society thinks so much of, they all die cursed deaths. Every single one of them. Bugsy Siegel, shot in the head, 1946, wasn't even 50. Uh, Giancarna, shot, 1975. 65, he's making pizza one night, bang, bullet in the head. All these guys, they all die a cursed death. Mussolini, strung upside down. Hitler shoots himself. Stalin, on the floor, dribbling like a madman. I mean, just all these people, they all die a cursed deaths. John Paul I, John Paul II, Pius XII, John XXIII. I mean, should I go on? And the society say these are great people that we should look up to. Sinead O'Connor died, what, two weeks ago? 56, it's nothing. Prince, Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson. It's just go, the list just goes on and on and on. Elvis Presley wasn't even 45. He's wearing nappies or diapers, as Americans call it. Man is basically vain. He's basically a failure. But, of course, mankind has to believe in someone or something if it's not Jesus Christ. Give us help from trouble, and they got it, say amen. For vain, worthless, empty, for vain is the help of man. Now sometimes you might do somebody a good turn. Sometimes you may go the extra mile uh, for your fellow man, the brotherhood of man. But normally do it because there's something in it for you. Let's be quite honest, you don't normally get out of bed three in the morning to jump start somebody's car, or to push a car down a hill, or to pick somebody up from here or there, or take them here or there, or do this or that. For whatever the for, for whoever the per, for whoever the person may be, if there's nothing in it for you, I mean, there's a great quote from uh, Mayor Lansky. He said, uh, "We don't do we don't take sides. We look for opportunities." <laughs> That's so typical, isn't it? Of I'm a genuine man. We look for opportunities. We don't take sides. Politicians say that we don't take sides. We look for opportunities. Going back to the Russia Ukraine conflict, opportunities. It's not taking sides. Go back to the Iraq, Iran war. Was it 1986-87? Britain, America and France were backing both sides. Opportunities, you see. It's vanity. They're not taking sides. They're backing both sides. Go back to the Russian Revolution. You've got banks in Britain and America uh, backing both sides. Give money to Tsar Nicholas, even though he was on the way out, and money to the Bolsheviks, even though they were coming in. Adolf Hitler, 1920s. He gets money from the Vatican. He gets money from uh, overseas uh, institutions. Porsche, Steinway, Paul Watson, IBM. I mean, the whole thing is, you get so cynical if you're not already. And that's why it's always almost laughable when you come across people, 25, 30, 35, 40, who are still quite naive, who still believe in the system. The Matrix, as uh, Andrew Tate calls it, and he's got many sins in his life, Mr. Tate. 13, through God. We should do valiantly, amen. For he it is that shall tread down our enemies. And he will certainly do that. And he still does that that to this day. 
going back to every conflict they fought back to days of Joshua and of course Jesus second advent Isaiah 63 he goes into Boaz in fact go to Isaiah 63 very quickly which is also cross-reference to uh, uh, let me think now Revelation uh, 19 and I want Isaiah I think it's Isaiah 63 Isaiah 63 I saw a clip online a few days ago a guy called Matt Walsh an American Catholic conservative Catholic he was on Joe Rogan's podcast I think it was Rogan yeah it was Rogan another filthy mouth and he was being asked about homosexuality, the usual chestnut, so boring, isn't it? And uh, Rogan was saying, but if God made homosexuals that way, why can't they enjoy it? Which is a good question to ask if you believe that. I don't believe that. I believe it's learned behavior, but that's what society now teaches. And old Walsh, who's normally very good at uh, responding, did a great documentary about what is a woman, very controversial in the transgender movement. He was like, muttering like an idiot he couldn't answer it i thought what a fool and the reason why he couldn't answer it is because he couldn't come out and say they're born they're not he couldn't come out and say they've chosen that way of life because of course his church is pro it but he can't say it's okay because at the same in the same breath they say it's wrong i mean i've read his church's catechism i've read it it says god made you that way and you are to abstain from being that way it makes no sense at all it's ludicrous but the problem is people like Matt Walsh and all these celebrity Catholics and Christians, they don't really know who Jesus Christ is. That's the great problem, isn't it? They speak about him and they talk about him, but they don't really know him like we do. And that's why Isaiah 63 would just blow their minds. They would read it and believe it. Verse 3, who is this that cometh from Edom? Aha, uh -huh, back to Jordan again. With dyed garments from Bozrah. Dyed garments. This that is glorious in his apparel. Travelling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save, Jesus Christ speaking now. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I would tread them in mine anger. Ah, pretty negative, isn't it? And trample them in my fury. That's pretty negative, isn't it? And their blood... B-L, double O-D, not that you drink it, if you are a Catholic, but here, their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Why is that? For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, verse 4, and the year of my redeemed is come. That's the Jesus Christ of the Bible, which Matt Walsh doesn't know anything about, and most Christians know nothing about, and would have the guts to tell you this truth about Jesus Christ, the second advent. So be careful. If you are prone to preachers, prone to uh, celebrities who may be good when it comes to social, social economics or good at, uh, good at politics like Charlie Kirk. But when it, gets, when it comes down to the real meat of you know, scripture, the real substance which will have eternal consequences, these guys are failures. Kirk is religious. Walsh is religious. Kirk is, an, is Episcopalian. Useless. Uh, Walsh is a Catholic. Useless. And these people, they have a huge platform, but they don't really say much of anything if you actually listen to what they say carefully. They talk a lot, and they are very pro the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the Republican movement, 
and the conservative movement when it comes to the scripture, Jesus Christ, which is what we are interested in, absolute failures. And I say it not to you know, be flippant or you know, dismissive, but it's a truth, it's a fact. Through God, we should do valiantly, valiantly, like tremendously, valiant, like strong, solid. For it is that shall tread down, negative term, tread down our enemies. Pope's in Fatima at the moment, and he'll be received like a god, probably today. It's Sunday after all. Mm. They carry the old boy around. He's in poor health. And he'll talk, he'll talk about this, he'll talk about that. But again, no real substance, no real meat. All the Catholics were saying, ah, happy, you know, Holy Father, you know, Papa this and Papa that. And that old con man will say nothing of any great significance, and it'll be just pitiful to watch. And that's why we tell people to be born again. Follow thou me, John 21, not follow Peter. Follow thou me. And that's when you need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll close it there. Not much to add, like I say, from the previous study going through Psalm 57 or 60. But it's always good just to remind ourselves how good God is, amen, and how faithful he is to Israel, and still is to this day. And he's calling out a remnant for his own name's sake. And for us, as Bible believers, we keep praying and waiting and hoping that we can get people saved uh, between now and the rapture, while at the same time praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Because if we do, we will prosper, and they'll be safe and sound until Christ comes back and takes those that believed on him, and leaves the rest to follow the Antichrist into hell.